A lesson from my Uber driver. Act like an owner. This is so good, guys. This is where I get my messages oftentimes. Is just, so my friend and I, Carlos Silgo, we were in, in Seattle, business partner of, of Ron and myself and different guys. And, and uh, um, so we jump in, and this guy, he, he's like, hey, what's, who are you? And he tells me his name is Yasu, and I could tell he was somewhere from Africa. And I go, where are you from? He goes, Ethiopia. I go, oh, are you Muslim or Christian? And he goes, no, I'm Muslim. I said, oh, man, I love you. You're so awesome. I go, we got the same father, Abraham and Isaac. Yes. I go, what's the deal with all these Muslims and Christians hating each other? I love you perfectly, man. I said, let me tell you the story that Isaac and Ishmael aren't even about uh, the most Christians I'm going to show you are Ishmael's. Your father is the devil, just like the, the Muslims, because your father is a works-based system. I'm born out of that system. You're not born out of Sarah, which is grace. Does that, does that make sense? So I was just sharing with him. I go, here's what's cool. I said, you know what? You don't have to do all that seven times, all this, everything. Christians try to pray and fast and do all these things to be pleasing God. I go, what God was trying to show them is you're perfectly loved. You don't have to do anything. Ishmael, he can become an Isaac the minute he believes that God perfectly loves him and forgave him. Like, we should love each other all the time. I go, I have no issues with Muslims, and you should have no issues with me. I'm telling you, by the time we got done, we walk out, we get to the airport. I love you, brother. He gives me a big hug, and he's loving me, etc. They're the easiest people in the world. Now the Christians go, say the sinner's prayer. Put that Quran down. So I was just speaking Arabic to him. I know some of you guys freak out because charismatics go, that's a door. I was like, how do you say it again? It's like, uh, it's a hamda Allah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just means God is great. They love you. Love never fails. Your charismatic winning souls almost always fails. I'm going to win him for Christ. Make him say the sinner's prayer. Repent of all. No, you would not. You're just going to irritate each other. Bro, God loves you perfectly. What's the message of the New Covenant Church? You are ambassadors for Christ. The message of reconciliation. Amen? He loves you perfectly. Then, this is what's really interesting to me. So I go, Yasun, how long have you been here in the United States? He goes, oh, I've been here for about five years. I go, did you come straight from Ethiopia? He said, no, I came, I spent 10 years in Canada. How many of you guys go, Canada has a lax immigration policy, right? And he goes, it's terrible for immigrants. I go, really? That's interesting because he goes, yes, it's very easy to get in, but here's the problem with it. They try to tell everybody to stay in your own race and ethnicity, and, and he goes, you can't own anything there. It's very socialist. He goes, I couldn't wait to get to America where I could just be me and be free and go own a company. So he owns other companies, even though he's an Uber driver. Isn't that awesome? He goes, I desperately came to America so I could own something. I'm like, that is a message. I'm going to show you in scripture. That's what it says. Hey, you need to act like you're an owner. What that means is, are you a joint heir or are you still a servant trying to please God? Does that make sense to you guys? So I loved it, guys. And I, what I'm trying to do is persuade you that he loves you perfectly. Sin's been removed. You're back in the father's house as a full joint owner. So I'm going to go through Isaac and Ishmael, the same message I shared with him. Is that, is that okay with you guys? Some of you guys heard me preach this before, but it's pretty cool. Uh, my thing must be off there, Jeffrey. If you can get me to the next slide. All right, Galatians 4.21. So you guys know the context of Galatians, right? These, these people were saved, and then... Uh, televangelist came in and said, no, you're not, that's not good enough. You need to start doing these things, right? Same thing. Their father's the devil. The father's a works-based system, right? Or it's a mixed system. I know it sounds harsh, but that's really what it is. It has to be the message of grace. So here's Paul correcting them, right? 
Tell me, you who desire to be under law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. What are the two sons? Isaac and Ishmael. How many of you guys heard? The Muslims came out of Ishmael. Right? Let's read it, what it actually actually means. Physically, that actually happened. But how many of you guys go, we judge no man according to flesh anymore, is what Scripture says. Not even a Jew. Paul, the Jew of Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees, says we judge no man after flesh anymore. It's in your Bible. Tell me, you desire him to be law, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondwoman, the other by the free woman. Wait a minute, if we don't, why is he going through this story if, we don't, if we're not worried about who they were born from? Follow me? But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he was the free woman through the promise. You guys know the story? God wasn't moving fast enough. His promise wasn't moving fast enough. So what happens? They tried to help. They tried to help God, right? And I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine my wife going, hey, I want to have kids, so why don't you go sleep with our maid? <laughs> what? I'd be like, Ramiko, can I sleep on your couch tonight? What happened? Barb told me to go sleep with the maid. She really didn't want me to. She was ticked after I did it. But she told me to do it. That's exactly what happened, but anyway. Ah, so, it's not happening, so I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go produce. That's the lust of the flesh. The enemy tries to get you into this non-rest system where I got to go change something. Okay? So, but he was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. That's Ishmael. Abraham slept with Hagar. Right? And he of the free woman through what? I promise you. Doesn't that sound like a covenant? See, the new covenant's between the Father and Jesus, so it can't be broken. So how long can you trust the promise? Forever. Your sin cannot break the new covenant. Isn't that beautiful? Does God's favor and blessing and prosperity stop flowing because you sinned? Well, the charismatic will tell you that the Holy Spirit leaves. You quenched it. <laughs> no, I know it's not. It's, it, it, I'm just sharing because I, some of you guys that weren't grew up in like how I did, praise God, guys, you don't have all this stuff. So some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's, they did their best to persuade you why the new covenant won't work for you. If you do this, you're going to quench the Holy Spirit. Yet the book I read says the Holy Spirit's going to come. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So which one is it? It's the never leave you nor, I'm going to take him versus the, Bible study I'm in, okay? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, the one of the bondwoman and one of the free. But he was of the bondwoman was born according to his own effort, and he of the free woman. Hey, listen, Abraham, I promised I'm going to give you a son. If God promises something, he cannot lie, is what Scripture says. So can Abraham just rest knowing that what he promised is going to happen? He was trying to persuade Abraham's heart, not get him to build his faith. I promised you. That's what Hebrews is all about. I wanted your soul to be anchored, so I gave you a covenant, a blood covenant, and my word. I gave you two things that I cannot change, so you can be assured that I'm going to heal you, provide for you, take care of you. I'll never look at your sins. I'll always bless you. I'll sing over you. I'm so excited about my kids. Isn't that wild? We don't sing over ourselves, but God sings over us. He goes, God, I've got such beautiful family. I love my kids so much. So my job is to persuade your heart of that. And that's what all the new covenant is supposed to be about, not lessons. All right. But he was of the bondwoman was born in flesh, which things are symbolic. It was never meant to be, hey, we're going to judge them, whether they're born of Ishmael, the Muslim nations, or 
Christian nations. This, this was symbolism is what he's saying. All that was a type and shadow of the real thing that's going to come. You guys get this? It's symbolic. What symbolic means? Does it mean that's real? No, it's to symbolize something that is real. Does that help you guys? Okay. It's symbolic. Okay, good. For those are the two what? Covenants. Hey, Isaac and Ishmael was just to give you a story about how the covenants work. You guys get this? So a bondwoman is really another word for a slave. What do slaves do to their, for their masters? Serve them. I grew up in church going, serve the Lord with all your mind, heart, and everything else. Yet Jesus was trying to show Peter, Peter, unless you let me be the servant here, unless we wrap my robe around me, bend down, get into my servant's garb, and serve you, you can't partake of everything I got. You're going to serve me your whole life and never enjoy me. You got to let me serve you as the perfect ox on the cross. I'm the perfect servant to serve you. Hallelujah. That's why Mary and Martha, all those stories are the same thing. Who was busy serving? Martha. Who did God rebuke? Martha. Who did he say, good job, Mary, for doing nothing? Mary. Mary, great job for just doing nothing and receiving at Jesus' feet. Martha, Martha. Jeez, come on. Turn the TV off. Let me serve you. Right? Who told you you need to serve me? Let me serve you. See, when we have to do something to receive anything from God, we're serving God. And God goes, that'll never work. Unless you want to partake of me, Peter, you got to let me serve you. You guys get this? So Jesus came to fulfill all that. All right. But these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to slavery. Slavery means you work for your master. I got to go work. And most, it's, it's a little different here, but in the, in the Jewish time, I don't care how much the slave worked for his master, did they ever get to be a joint heir of the master's goods? No. That's why Jesus in the parables, when he's talking to the Jews, he goes, listen, if, if you just do what I've told you to do as a servant, and you go out and do all this work, etc., then you prepare me a meal, etc., am I going to thank you for that? He goes, no, that's just what, you're, that's what your law says you have to do for me, so you don't get anything out of that, that's just you're doing what you're doing. All those parables are about that. So, for these two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which was given at Mount Sinai, what was given at Mount Sinai? The law. What happened when the law came? They, he brought them out by the lamb, right? He brought them out by, they put blood on their doorposts, right? And then within their, their house, they ate the unleavened bread, the matzah ball bread, right? The matzah. And they ate what? The lamb, he brought them out with silver and gold and not one were sick. So for 40 years, they got, I'm sorry, so they come out of that, right? Then they come, Jesus goes, the father says this, he goes, hey, Moses, Aaron, prepare the people, tell them to cleanse themselves. Come up, every one of you, to the mountain. Didn't he tell them that? All of you come up to the mountain. Wasn't God's intention the whole time? I'm going to make you a nation of kings and priests. You don't, I'm not just going to have one mediator, the, the high priest. I want all of you to freely come up into my presence. and be, I want to be your dad. I want to be your father. That's my whole plan for every one of you. He said, come up. Didn't he tell, invite everybody up? Come on up to the Mount Sinai, right? I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all of you now can come straight up to me. And what do the people do? <laughs> no way. That God is scary. Tell them to stop talking to us, Moses. 
Right? See, that's what I'm trying to cleanse your heart of fear. That's where Adam and Eve didn't go into the Father's presence because of what? Fear. So they tried to be pleasing to God. That's the system he judged. You're all pleasing to him, perfect in every way. He loves you perfectly. You can receive everything from him. He's made you a nation of kings and priests. A royal priesthood is what it means. Hallelujah, that's good, isn't it? Okay, so they go, no way. So for 40 years, they didn't serve silver and gold, but they said, you know what? Just give us some rules, Lord, and that's how we'll be pleasing to you. Why did they do that? Because they came out of what? Slavery. So all they know is a master-servant deal. Hey, you know what? When the, when, the, when the Jews, when they performed well, they made enough bricks, did their master like them? Yes. So that's how they're perceiving God. No, 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 no. We don't dare talk to them. We don't want to talk to the master directly. We just want to perform so he'll be happy with me. If I do my slave job over here and serve in church and do all these things, uh, give more, do all this stuff, then God will be pleasing to me. And you wonder why you're so depressed all the time and angry. Because that's not what he's, that, it'll produce all of that. That's the thing. When you know how much he loves you, it'll produce that. Follow me? So they're not serving gold. They're not serving anything. They go, give us some rules and we'll follow them. Moses, we can do it. Moses comes down with 15 commandments. I got to show you that little clip. Jeff, remind me, next week I'm going to show that little clip. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's so funny to me. It's where he comes down. What's the movie actually called? What's the name of it? Some of you guys are so good, such good Christians, you never experienced good movies. So, Because the devil's going to jump on you if you watch that stuff. What? History of the World? Yeah, wasn't it History of the World by Mel Brooks? Where Moses comes out with 15 commandments and one falls off. He goes, the Lord has given us 50 commandments. <laughs> he drops one. Oops. 10. He's given us 10. 10 commandments. I just love that. There's so much truth in that because the Jews added 613 total rules. Right? Okay. So, hey, the two covenants of that gave bondage. Hey, we're not worshiping silver and gold. Lord, we can, we can be pleasing to you based on how good of a servant we are. Right? And he goes, okay, try these big 10. These 10 are going to rep. If you can do these, that means you, you, you can be perfect in every way. They come down the mountain. What's the first thing they do? What's the first commandment? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. What's the first one that they're doing? Worshiping the golden calf. They had no inclination to worship the golden calf until then, until they said, don't worship the golden calf. You guys all know that. The law was given so that sin would revive. That's what scripture says. So it's the, the rules written on rocks, guys, cause sin to fly up. And we're like, why? The harder you try, the worse it's going to get. He designed it that way, so it's not your fault. It's to show you, I give up on this stupid Christian thing. That's where he wants you. Finally, Lord, I give up. That's, that's where I wanted you the whole time. I love you perfectly. What are you doing still trying to be a servant and serve me? You can't partake of me unless you let me serve you. Hallelujah is really that. So, all right, so these are the two covenants. The one kills you, born on Mount Sinai in Arabia, that corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is... Are they still under that system? Not even, they're not even under the law system anymore. They have no priesthood. They're not sacrificing. They're on this weird rabbinical thing. Where if I just, in fact, I was just reading about it yesterday in, in Edersheim's service of the temple. And he says, he goes, it's a sad, sad day because these Jews, they got rid of the temple system after 8070. All the, the lineage of all the records were, were destroyed. So they can never have a high priest because you had to prove that you were a high priest based on records. Well, that all burned up in 8070. So they go, well, this doesn't work. Let's just adapt. 
Now, if we just pray and fast real hard on the Day of Atonement, God will accept us. That's the rabbinical rules now. Doesn't that sound like Christianity? But if I just pray and fast real hard, if I read my Bible more, real more, so I know, no, that's works of the devil. That's, that's your father's the devil in that system. You freely have everything. Amen? Rest your heart. Okay. So the two covenants corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is by, it's in slavery. It's still trying to serve me. It's the best way to say it, right? But Jerusalem, which is above, doesn't it? In Hebrew, it says, listen, you've come, it says, you have come to what city? The heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to it already. How do guys know we're in the heavenly Jerusalem already? We're in the kingdom. Amen? We're in the kingdom. Isn't that good? You've come to the city built without hands. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. It's the one I really wanted the whole time. It's the new covenant. You're not a slave in the old covenant system anymore. You're born of Sarah, which is, I'm going to promise to give you everything, not earn it. Is this making sense to you? I'm trying to put it in words where it doesn't sound too religious so you can actually understand this stuff. But Jerusalem is above is free. What are you free? When you're free, what do you do? I'm free. Which is the mother of us all, all right? Now, we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was according to the spirit, even so it is now. How many guys that's true? I tell the prostitute that they're just as good as the elder, and the elders freak. They throw me out. Wait a minute, I'm an ambassador for Christ. The message of... Be as holy as me like the elder. No, he judged that system on the pole. He calls that works of the flesh. You, you're still trying to serve based on your goodness is that you think how I'm going to respond to you. It's a promise of how good I'm going to respond to you. You're born of that. You're born from something that you believe. It's heavenly. It's not physical. It's a spirit. It's something you believe. It's holy. What is holy? You're the apple of his eye. You're the, what, what are words for that? You're the, chosen child you're the the gifted one the great one if you like hockey who's the great one Gretzky well you're all the great one that's how he views you based on promise that's how I'm going to treat you Isn't that awesome so even so it is now nevertheless what does scripture say these, these these two covenants are symbolic there's an old covenant there's a new one the one that was born out of you serving me is born out of who Ishmael that's why I told my cab driver, I go, most Christians are Ishmaels. I said, you won't, you'll be angry. I said, the Muslims will be angry. The Christians will be angry. They all think they have the answer. My book says this here, but you'll never get anywhere, guys. Love never fails. Right? And I go, you know what's so amazing? Most Christians are Ishmaels too. That's why they hate you. Because they don't know they're already pleasing to God in the works of the flesh or anger, strife, murder, etc. Who killed Abel? Cain. What did Cain try to be pleasing to God with? His own effort, his own work. Hey, I brought these crops that I made for you, God. He goes, Cain, Cain, why are you so angry? There's a sin offering crouching at your door. I've, I've brought it right to your door. All you have to do is accept it. And then bring it to me, and I'll love you just like Abel. You guys get this? What does that mean? You can be a slacker Christian? Yes, actually. Will you be? No. That's, the, that's why people don't dare teach this. I'm so confident of the power of the, the, the love of God in your life that it moves you to go do what, we, what the, the law had to command you to do. I love my wife because I love my wife, not because God hates divorce. You'll probably get divorced or have an angry marriage your whole life. 
if that's why you're staying in a marriage. Sorry, right? When I know how much he loves me, it produces love, and there's no, we keep, why would I divorce her? There's no law to keep me from doing that anymore, but it's, he's writing it on my heart. I'm like, I can't even imagine that. Does that make sense? That's how everything's supposed to be in the new covenant. It's supposed to be a persuasion of your heart. Well, it's hard to do when they keep showing you what's wrong with you, and this is why this isn't working, and this is why that's not working, and those are, those are, that's nonsense, guys. It's, let me be persuaded how much he loves me. He promised he'll do all this for me. I don't care what it looks like. I can trust the faithful one that will never break his covenant. <sighs> Brings us into the rest. Does that make sense? Now, the lust of the flesh is not working fast enough. Do something. Get it? If you know how much he loves you, that's why I love these heart code books, etc. because somehow people believe science more than scripture. Um, I love it because it's like, yes, Lord, hallelujah. So everybody's supposed to experience, he gave you mind, will, and emotions so you can experience his mind, will, and emotions. I'm going to now live my life in you. We're dirt. He had to breathe into us to give us life. He goes, now experience my life. I never meant for you to have life based on rules that you have to follow to serve me. That was a symbolic of an old covenant. The new covenant is, I promise I'm going to love you. Never keep any record of wrong. I'm going to be the perfect husband for you. He promised it. He swore it with a blood covenant, Jesus, right? Isn't that cool? Okay, now build your faith. No. <laughs> the right message will effortlessly persuade you. That's all it is. Follow me? And it has to be love never fails. It has to be. He loves you perfectly. He loves you perfectly and he died for you. That's what that whole message is about in Paul's writings. So, but he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born into the spirit. That means religious Christians, religious systems were always angry at the message of what? Grace. Well, you can't just tell them that he loves them perfectly even if they sin, because they're going to run out and sin. No, they're not. I just told you how it works. They'll actually do less, ultimately. Hey, listen, I get it. Some people take their freedom and, and they go live lascivious lives for a little while. What's God's response? No problem. No problem, prodigal son. I just can't get the religious guys to come in the house yet. But you finally had enough sense. It got bad enough in your life. You came back to the house, and how did I treat you? Did I ask you what you did wrong and ask you to confess your sin? Did I tell you the reason you're in financial trouble is because you're not a good steward? Then he lose everything is what it said. What did he do? Sent him to a Dave Ramsey course. No, he did not. What did he do? No problem. My, my resources, I, I supply you according to my riches. It's unlimited. Get off this being a good steward thing. That was written to the Jews who didn't steward the oracles of God correctly. It'll produce it. But some of you guys, you've got so many of these Christian messages that you're so beat up, guys. You're so beat up. He's not mad at you. He keeps no record of wrong, so he doesn't go, you're a bad steward. Until you can steward your money, you're not prepared to have more. I've heard almost every Christian preacher teach that. I go, that is not in the Bible anywhere. Anywhere. The opposite message is there. No problem. Come on in. I put the ring back on. You got everything I still have. You, you didn't lose anything. See, I believe they'll desire to actually be better then. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Not telling them what's wrong with them and why they don't have what they... Does that help? It's, you'll slip so fast into legalism when you get into that thing. So, nevertheless, what does Scripture say? Get rid of that old symbolic covenant. Get rid of that old one where you have to serve me, the bondwoman, right? And her son, for the son and the bondwoman shall never be what? Heir. You'll never own anything. You're gonna, Peter, if you think you have to serve me your whole life, you're never going to partake of me. 
Isn't that what this scripture says too? You can never be good enough to earn God. You'll never partake of me. Get rid of that old covenant. What are we supposed to do? Throw it out. Cast it out, right? Didn't it say it's symbolic to the two covenants? So if the old one was written on, at Mount Sinai and he tells us to throw it away, what are we supposed to do? Throw it away. That doesn't mean... Uh, I like to teach out of it. You, got, you understand. In fact, I think unless you understand a lot of these types and shadows, you're not going to understand what Jesus has done for you. To be honest with you. So I'm not saying don't read it because it says all scriptures for our edification, for our teaching, etc. But just know that you're never supposed to follow those rules. In fact, how many of you guys are not Jewish by blood? I'm not. You were never under law. It was never even written to you. In fact, they said you guys were far away from all the covenants of God. You were dogs. You were Gentiles. You were outside the doors of the temple. It didn't open to you. We're the chosen ones. Right? And God completely warned him. He said, listen, Jews, you're going to think you're all that in a bag of chips when you go into this promised land. I'm just telling you, it's because I swore the promise to my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you're going to think it's you. So he warned him in Deuteronomy. Don't think it's you because it's not. It's just because I'm good and I, I'm just going to do this for you despite you, you knuckleheaded Jew. And now he goes, now that covenant of grace is for every tribe, tongue, and nation. The doors fling open every night for 40 years after Jesus. That's awesome. All right, so we get rid of the whole servant mentality, so we act like an owner. We're a joint heir, right? What do you own? Everything. Everything. Everything that's in the Father's house, what do you own? What's in the Father's house? We look in Revelation, it says, listen, there was weeping and, and people crying. Nobody's worthy to open these scrolls. Nobody can buy us back is really all that meant. So if I had a sealed scroll of, of Arnold, somebody, a kinsman redeemer, somebody close, either he had to pay it or somebody close to me had to pay it for me so I could open that scroll and free him. Right? And they're going, nobody's good enough to open this scroll. There's weeping in heaven. Then the, what did all the elders say? Hey, wait, there's a lamb. He's worthy to open it. Hey, the lamb did it. Who's the lamb? He's the worthy man. He's the one that the old covenant says we sought for a man to stand in the hedge, but we couldn't find any. I've told you all that. All the intercessors think they're that man. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. Sorry. You're not the man. We need men to stand in the hedge. Your, your stuff is filthy rags. That's not. He looked for one man, one perfect man that could perfectly fulfill the law. Who was it? Jesus. Amen. So he, he, there was one, and he was worthy to receive what? Strength, Strength power, honor. We've seen it in Revelation song, Carrie Job's song. Guess what? If one lamb was worthy to receive that, who else is worthy to receive that? You are. Yeah, but I'm a sinner. No, you're not. He removed it as far as the east is from the west. You're worthy to receive honor, glory, riches, power, all of it. You're a joint heir. Act like an owner. You guys get it? I love my Uber driver. I did. I was like, how, man, the Christian population in America needs to listen to my Muslim Uber driver. God loves me. I had to get to America so I could own my businesses. Hallelujah. I haven't seen this faith in anywhere. That's a Jesus, right? <laughs> my Muslim dude is preaching the gospel. No, <laughs> except Jesus. I have no idea, but he's got more joy than you. He's pumped up. In fact, I've told you that. My friend Majama, I was in this meeting. I didn't know if I'd get out alive, one of those things. You know, it's me in this meeting. There's all these old Muslim guys sitting Indian style with their turbans and everything. 
And this guy goes, what about me, dad? I'm like, what? I don't understand what you're saying. What about me? Because your Bible cast out Ishmael. How could a loving dad throw us away? I can't believe you're God. That's what he told me. Like, oh, so I went into this thing. So I was like, Majama, can I share this? Like, you know I'm going to talk about Jesus. Can I share this? And he goes, wait a minute. Some of you guys heard me tell, tell this story. I'm in Denver. All these, I'm the only Christian white guy. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant from Sioux Center. I never saw a black guy until I was six, Ramiko. I'm like, okay. And I'm in there going, this may not end well. Right? And Majama goes, just wait a minute. He goes, I trust this man more than all of you. Why? Because I love him unconditionally, man. I'm not trying to get him to say the sinner's prayer. I love him. And so I just share this story, guys, Isaac and Ishmael. And I go, what you guys need to know, just like every Christian needs to know, he loves you perfectly. You don't need to serve him at all. Throw that old covenant out. He'll serve you. In fact, he sent his son to die for you so that all of you are perfect in every way for the rest of your life. Now enter into his love for you. I'm driving home, and Majama calls me. Mike, what did you do to me? I'm so happy. I'm so happy. My heart is just happy. Can't be, because I didn't get you to say the sinner's prayer and renounce Muslim faith and deliver you and shonda. I didn't even send you the stream. In fact, you're not supposed to get in the stupid stream. You're supposed to cross on dry land. No stream. It's interesting. I just think about all these things, like these names that people have. I go, man, it's just backwards. They got the wrong message. So his wife calls me a couple days. What did you do? What did you do to my pajama? He's so happy. He's so happy. You know what? He was born from a different spirit. He's more born again than the 13-year-old that you sent up here to say the sinner's prayer. He received something in his heart. We believe unto righteousness in our heart. Amen? You guys get it? Okay, so, you'd be, all right, Galatians 5.1. Therefore, if we threw out the old covenant where you're trying to serve God, what are we supposed to do? Stand fast, therefore, in the what? Freedom, with Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What's that? Rules. That was the yoke, is what they said. The, the, the old covenant leads you into bondage, where I have to go serve God. I have, I'm a slave again. I'm not a son. A son is very different. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Meaning that, hey, the televangelist came in and said, it's not enough to believe in Jesus. You need to read your Bible more, do this more, get circumcised, do all these things more. Where's your freedom? Stand fast in the freedom. Don't be beguiled, guys. The simplicity that's in Christ is what it says, right? So, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you how much? Nothing. See, if you mix the covenants, you get nothing. How many of you guys want more than nothing? Then throw the old one out. Stop trying and act like an owner. Lord, I, lo- I-, I own this. You love me. He so loved me that he gave me everything. That's hyper grace, slippery slope, da-da-da, be angry preacher like me and have no joy. <laughs> no, that's what I see. Everybody that corrects me, I just see it in their life. I go, there's no joy. There's no joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The set-apart spirit, I'm, I'm holy, I'm holy. I don't act holy sometimes, but I'm holy. That's the, that's the freedom, follow me? All right, so 
Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, it's worth, you trying to be good enough for God and do these things is worth nothing. Isn't that what he says? And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. Listen, if you're going to add one thing, then you've got to keep all of it. You guys don't even know 613 laws. In fact, how many guys have ever walked more than three quarters of a mile on a, sun, on a Saturday? Then you're a sinner. You're a prostitute. Whatever. Tax collect. What's the, what's the worst? You're a child molester in God's eyes. Yikes. I'm not trying to put any of that on there because in God's eyes, you're okay. I know, but in society, we, put, we judge certain sins, right? You're just as bad as them. Isn't that amazing? But in me, you're as, the new guy in the, the, every person in the new covenant is better than John the Baptist, who is the greatest born among men. If you're born in the new covenant, you're greater than John the Baptist. Isn't that awesome? It's beautiful. So I testify again. If you, if you think you're going to add one thing, now you're in debt. You've got to do it all. He set you free from that. They don't ever go back. That's what he's saying. You've become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. All right. So let's stand up to your feet. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What, what's, he, what's Paul waiting for? The hope of righteousness by faith. What is he waiting for? His resurrected body, that he's going to live in that body eternally. No sickness, no nothing, perfect joy, perfect health, no, no weird in our heart. Right? That's the hope of... So, is, is Paul righteous at this point? Yes, of course he is. He preaches that, right? He goes, you saints, to Galatia, to Ephesians, you saints, you, hey, stand fast, you're free, you're righteous. In Romans, he teaches all that. So all the thing he's working for, this hope of righteousness by faith, is someday I'm going to have my glorified body and live eternally with Jesus in this perfect scenario. Doesn't that sound good? Okay, that's what he's waiting for. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but what works. I'm persuaded of his love for me. And I know I say things controversial, but I've seen a lot of guys praying in tongues for the last 20 years and they're not convinced God loves them. I've just seen that. You ever seen that, Ramiko? Absolutely. Almost all the charismatic churches I've been in, you can't, they're not persuaded. So it, it, there's got to be something more than you just paying the perfect prayer and praying in tongues, yeah. in my opinion. Okay? You ever seen that, Arnold? You grew up in that world too, right? I'll just do it. If things aren't working, pray in tongues more. I've just really had to self-evaluate and go, hey, do I pray in tongues? Yeah, but I, I, I do it joyfully. I, don't, I, I really just try to rest my heart and show them, I love you, Lord. I just, I like to do it that way. Versus, you're praying for provision that a dump truck of money could come and you didn't see it because you're shondala, 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 shondala. Serious. <laughs> so, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You know, in, in the other scripture in Romans, he says, you've obeyed the truth in that doctrine I taught in your heart. So obeying to Paul is believing the right thing about yourself. It's not external obedience, whether I sin or not externally. Now, does Paul correct that in a lot of the letters? Yeah, but he doesn't ask you to go produce it. It looks like, if you, I should teach that sometime. Because the new covenant, all the letters, he goes, hey, here's how awesome you are in Christ. Now, if you really knew how much Christ loved you, these behaviors wouldn't keep going on. 
But he's not commanding them to go change it because they have no power in themselves to change it. He told them that. Listen, when I was under law and I was trying to not lust on my own, what happened to him? I was the biggest luster on the planet. I had to go get an accountability partner and turn the things off when I went into a hotel room and cleanse my room. So I was taught. You know what I do now? I go into a hotel room. Thank the Lord that I've got a bed and I go lay down. No prayer. You give to your beloved even when you sleep. (laughs) You didn't pray in tongues? No, and I'm much more joyful. It's beautiful. In fact, I got room service, ate like a pig, a glutton, went to bed, and it was wonderful. Try it someday. You'll enjoy it. Right? (laughs) Uh, Because none of that avails anything, is what it says. Follow me? You're free. Don't get bogged down by these rules. Amen? All right. For in Christ Jesus' circumcision, you ran well. Who, who hindered you from obeying the truth, not obeying the law? See, we, we think obedience, our mind immediately goes to obedience. But Paul goes, listen, bring every thought captive. Where's, where's the real sin happening? In your heart and your mind, not externally. Bring every thought captive to what? The obedience of Christ. By one man's obedience, you've been perfect for how long? Forever. So even if you messed up... <laughs> Again, Lord, some of you guys, not, you get into the work cycle. Let me pray and fast more. Why can't I seem to figure this out? <sighs> do more, right? No, don't do more. <laughs> do less and let him love you more. Ah, <sighs> thank you, Jesus. The obedience of the heart is what Paul's after, not you obeying. Now, what, what, here's the mystery. The obedience of the heart will actually have you live a pretty obedient life. Better than you trying to be a good Christian. You're just going to live with guilt your whole life and wonder why you can't figure this stupid thing out. So guess what? The same way you judge yourself, what are you going to start doing? Mm, damn, look at these. These guys, this guy says you don't have to pray and fast and pray in tongues. Now read the Bible. He doesn't have to do anything. Like, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Pretty enjoying that. <laughs> Jesus loves me, man. Despite all that, that's what, mm, there's gnashing of teeth. God, I don't know how that works for him. I don't either. I just know he loves me, so I stay there. Do I mess up? All the time. Do I get bad thoughts and hearts? Yes, constantly. I get, yes. So guess what? I have to remind myself every day. Yes, you are mildly stupid, Mike. But praise God, he's not. And now I'm perfect in his obedience forever, so I can expect the very best because he loves me perfectly the rest of my life. Amen. Does that make sense? So, hey, when, when, when God came to Adam and Eve, was he mad at them? No, what did he ask them? Who taught you the wrong thing? So he, here's Paul, the same way, through the Galatians. Hey, who hindered you from obeying that form of doctrine that you obeyed from the heart, is what he said. Who taught you this? Who told you this? This persuasion does not come from him. He's not telling you to do more to receive more. What is he saying? A little bit of you need to do anything ruins the whole thing and it'll profit you Nothing. Hallelujah. Get it? Okay, let's finish this up. I had you stand up too early. Sorry. Okay. In the old covenant, you're slaves who work and work and work and work and work and work. Why isn't this working? Go pray in tongues more. It doesn't work. I believe praying in tongues edifies me because I go, man, this is my perfect language. This is how we're all going to be when we get to heaven. Because uh, uh, it's a picture of heaven on earth right now. We can actually pray in languages we don't know. How, that edifies me. Does that make sense? Okay, so maybe not for some of you guys, but I would just ask you to honestly evaluate yourself. Is it really working? 
See, I think what I do actually works for me because it edifies me. It builds me up. Like, God, Lord, you love me so much. And I can just pray in tongues. I can pray in things I don't know. And I can pray in things. And when I just rest, it's really the rest where he brings things to my heart and go, hey, do this. Don't do this. Do this. Okay, cool, Lord. Hallelujah. You mean you're okay? I can eat beer and wings? Yes. Yeah, I love it. I'll do it with you. Let's go to wings today. Really? You're an awesome God. No, don't do that. In the new covenant, you're a son. Falling in from grace is thinking you have to work and earn your inheritance. Peter, if you need to serve me, you get nothing. Let me serve you with my perfect love for you. Let me serve you with my son. What's true about Jesus is true about you. So, Galatians 3, if you're all sons of God, you're an owner. That's what a son meant to the Jewish mind, right? The servant, you're outside the house. You, you can work and work and work and work. Isn't that the old covenant brother in the prodigal son? He stood outside the house. He was angry that his loser didn't go to Dave Ramsey, wasted all of his stuff, partied hard, came back to the father, and what did the father do? The reason you don't have any money is you don't put money in envelopes. What did he do? That's not who I am. I, that, that, that doesn't come from me. Who taught you that? That's what he says, isn't it? That little leaven didn't come from me. I give to you freely. No record of wrong. How, doesn't that free you up? Hallelujah. So, your sons, your joint heir, you own everything in the house. Amen. That's what I want you to get. So, I want you to be persuaded he loves you perfectly. You're back in the house. The temple gates are open forever for every tribe, time, and nation. I could go every scripture is about the same message to me. Come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't have to earn anything. Right? And what are you going to find there? Mercy and grace. Grace upon grace. Right? Lisa, it's grace upon grace. Grace anti-grace is what it says in Greek. I'm going to give you this, and then on top of that, I'm going to give you more of it. Unless you quench it. The only thing that can quench it is the, who told you that? Who told you that your behavior quenches anything? Amen? Does that free you up? Ah, he loves you perfectly, guys. You're his perfect children. So for all your sins of God, all you are sons of God, you're an owner of the house, through what? Jesus Christ. For as many of you are baptized into Christ, that literally means immersed into him, into his teaching. See, baptism in the old covenant meant, I, if I get baptized into that teacher, it means I'm totally immersed into his teaching. So Jesus, that's why this whole baptism of John and baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, etc. I should probably teach on that. Because the baptism of John was, I need to confess that I'm a sinner. And the minute that Jesus goes, that was written about me. So the minute I walk into that, that, uh, the Jordan River with John the Baptist, by faith, I know that all sin has been removed far away from you to a city called the first man. So do you need to be baptized with water? For what? That, that's John's baptism. No, if some of you guys go, yeah, but my pastor in Sunday school said, I've got a tank back there, I'll put you in water. I will. Because it's not a salvation issue to me. I'll throw you in water, no problem. But the real immersion, that's why Paul goes, hey, you guys are fighting about baptisms. Aren't we still today? Paul goes, listen, you're such in the ABCs of this thing. I would like to go a little bit further, but you're still worried about baptism and laying on hands and all this nonsense. Isn't that what Paul says? And in the other scripture, he goes, there's only one baptism. And Paul goes, I didn't come to put you in water. What did he tell you? I baptized maybe four guys. That's what he said. I forget the names. I baptized a couple people. 
That was no, I wanted to immerse you into Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you're holy and set apart. There's no sin left on you. Oh, now I can receive everything of the Father. I can receive the Holy Spirit. I'm holy and set apart to him. Follow me? And guess what? There's amazing fruits of the Spirit that come with it. I'm not against any of that. I just think when you get so gift-focused, you, you, your heart doesn't heal and you can never experience him. That's what I'm trying to get at you. All right. For as many of you who are baptized, immersed into Christ, you've put him on. Hallelujah. You've put his royal, royal robe of righteousness on. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. How many laws did Abraham have to follow? Zero. Abraham, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people, and we're going to kick butt and have fun in life. How will I know? Bring me the three-year-old heifer and let me cut a blood covenant so you'll always know. Because I won't break my covenant, Abraham, not like man. There's no, nothing for you to do. That's why we, we get weirded out. Like Abraham just prostituted his wife, and God said, don't touch him. He's a prophet. He's my man. Why? He had to, because he said, I will be your shield and your great reward. It didn't matter how many Abraham sinned. He goes, I'm your shield and Abraham... Yeah, Abraham, I should beat you with a bat right now, but I can't because I cut a covenant that I'm only going to be good to you. And guess what? Now we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to what? I promise I love you and I'm going to treat you as my kids for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. You're an owner of the house. All right. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son not to condemn you. He was never. Noah found grace when he looks into God's eyes. Father, just let them see grace when they look into Jesus' perfect love, his perfection. Just let Jesus wrap his arms around these people. Because I never meant to hurt you. I never, I'm not scary. My wrath was to redeem you from this condition you were in. I hated seeing you that way. I love you perfectly. So, Father, we just thank you that they're, they're worthy because of you to receive health in their bodies right now in Jesus' magnificent name. They're completely sinless. You love them perfectly. They're worthy to receive favor in their businesses, in their careers. They don't have to perform. Just let that get into their heart where it produces that life in them, where they're not struggling and trying to do it in their own effort, trying to figure out the latest thing. You just give it to them freely. Father, we thank you for restoration of joy in their lives. Just take out that garment of depression and shame and nonsense. Just let them see how much you love them, that you can just joy after joy, grace after grace. Father, we just thank you that you'll do it this week. They can rest just knowing you promised you'll do it. The end is the end. That's, that's it. When you promise, you promise you'll do it. So, Father, we thank you for supernatural things in their lives. We thank you that they are the love sons, the ambassadors of Christ, join heirs of Jesus. Let their life reflect it, that they don't have to produce it. You produce it through them. In Jesus' magnificent name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey.